Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. But the heaven is inside you and your book. You are the author of, uh, let me see, three, actually, because you have a couple of anthologies coming out. But what we're trying to talk about today is where have I been all my life? That sounds like the message and the cry of a seeker, a person that is trying to seek out who they are, what they are, what their purpose is, what they're going to pour into others and what they're going to leave as a legacy. Writing is a very delicate but cathartic process. So we want to talk to you a little bit about where'd you go? What was your headspace when you were writing this? Because as you explained to me in the green room, it took five years to compile this. In addition to that, you've been nominated for an amazing award. You're going to tell me about that. And you're going to tell me about the upcoming anthologies that you are going to be in. So you are a busy woman. Welcome to On the Edge, Lisa Benson. Thank you so much, April. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you for a long time. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it too. Um, Brains, I find the best people in Australia. I tell you, I'm so glad <laughs> that the that they have lifted the restrictions so I can come back down there. I think I know somebody in every territory. You probably would. <laughs> <laughs> So how long have you been in Australia? Are you born and raised there? Born and raised in Australia, yes. And I've always been on the East Coast. So I've grown up um, on the Central Coast and been in Sydney and Newcastle pretty much the whole time. So within that two-hour area. So I've travelled a little bit around, but um, but mainly lived on the East Coast in the beautiful beaches. And, yeah, it's lovely. Well, that's wonderful. You know, you lost yourself. As you said, where have you been? Tell me a little bit about your story and your journey. Sure. I think... Don't we all lose ourselves at some point and we're all lost. And I think the focus, obviously, it's a little bit of the title is a little bit of a play on words of the saying, where have you been all my life? Because a lot of people ask, you know, when they meet someone, where have you been all my life? But I think the most important relationship that we have in our life is the one with ourselves. So I thought it was very appropriate to put where have I been all my life? Because I think we're born into this world as pure whole humans and we have everything that we we need um, for our life and then we get conditioned and we get scared and we have fears and so just little by little we chip away at that essence of ourself and I think we all get lost and no one escapes that but it's the journey of finding ourselves again and I think a lot of the time it does happen in this midlife period where we look back at our life and where we've come and and we we think well, how did I get here and mm -hmm. and sometimes we have awakenings and things like that so I think everyone and sometimes you end up being unapologetic absolutely and absolutely. you can live the imposter syndrome and you can be the overachiever mm -hmm. and you could be the person that never uh thinks that they're good enough but through all of that, you rise like the phoenix. You come into yourself. Um, you start to love yourself and recognize what that love feels like. Love from outside influences is not the same as self-love. 
How did you come to the awakening of self-love to start going on the next chapter of your life? It was definitely through the book, April. I think um, it was, I feel like I'm called to write this book, but the first step of the book was a cathartic journey, as you said, for my own healing. So I was trying to have this inspirational book to, to give to other people and help other people. But how could I do that without going on that journey myself? So I think when we journal and we write things down, it brings out the truths. And a lot of, um, I mean, Mel Robbins, who is an author of um, The High Five Habit, she says that people pleasers are liars. And as a reforming perfectionist and a people pleaser throughout my whole life, we do lie and we, and it's not a, like I can say I'm the most honest person, but we lie in terms of we're presenting a false version of ourselves. So we have this well, mask. Of course. It's like when you go on a job interview, you send your representative. When That's you go exactly. on your first date, you send your representative. You want to exude the very best of who you are. I'm Definitely. glad that you brought up a, a word that you use um, very honestly and very transparently. It's perfection. I tell yeah. people all the time, you know, you get enamored by, oh, I'm a perfectionist, but perfection can show up as insecurity. Oh, it's absolutely insecurity. And it's wanting to have control. And it's, I see it as a procrastination as well, because there is no such thing as perfection. So if I say I'm writing a book and it's got to be perfect, well, it's never going to be exposed or, you know, put out there for criticism because that's what people pleases and sorry, perfectionists want acceptance. They want to be accepted because they don't accept themselves. So it really is that journey. And it has been for me about breaking down to that point of self-love and Again, it's a whole a whole book about this, so I can't sort of just um, go from the start to the end. But when you do find that self-love and you don't worry about the criticisms and the what other people are thinking about you, there is a freedom that, you know, it sounds all a bit woo-woo and, you know, you know, there's this freedom that comes, but it is, it's a sense of acceptance of yourself and standing in your own story. And well, you're, you know, you're butt naked, you're vulnerable to the world. Absolutely. That's you know? right. But when but, you said you got to be careful, Lisa, because people will pick you apart. Mm, you know, they will. If you don't do it to yourself, it's the other people's. Oh, well, Lisa's really changed. Well, she's got a new circle of influence. She's got new friends. Oh, she's not going out and she's not networking with this person or that person. And <laughs> how do we turn down the volume on all of that noise? It is about setting those boundaries for yourself because when you are a perfectionist and you are, so it's actually getting to the point where, and I had to go through a lot of stuff where, you know, not everyone has to like me. And I had some hard lessons with that. And it is really about getting to the point where you go, well, it's, do I really like every single person? It's like just a right. natural right. thing and not taking it personally. But you touched on something then that reminded me also that, I also have exposed, it's like the nakedness when you said about being naked, exposed my deepest, darkest secrets in this book that I said I would never tell a soul and that they would go wow. to my grave. So there's this freedom of also, as you said, there's no one can nitpick or say all these things because I've just said them myself. I've exactly, exactly. exposed everything for, there's nothing to, to you know, that I, I feel you know, vulnerable about anymore because it's all out there because it's, that's the big power of helping other people and connecting with other people is if we're vulnerable, we give permission for other people to also feel less alone and feel, 
less ashamed about things that we all go through. So we all make mistakes. We all have shames. And if we can get through those quicker and get on with our life instead of spending decades like I did in that shame and holding us back from what we're truly meant to do, I think that if I can help people with that, I'll be so happy. I know that you don't want to reveal all the book, but I just, again, I'm assuming I'm looking at you. You are, you know, the picture of loveliness, beautiful hair, gorgeous skin, <laughs> brows are done. You know, I don't see where this pain, anxiety, and shame came from. Can you give us a snippet? Absolutely. And I won't give away all the details, but what happens is I have I had wonderful parents who I love dearly, and my dad has passed away, but every parent has an impact on their child so it doesn't matter whether you've had the best upbringing we all have traumas and it's not just from our parents it's from our teachers it's from the social you know sorry not social media back then when I was a kid but from the social constructs and you know the expectations of society and the tv shows we watch so basically this whole perfection thing and a little a little revelation in the book is that my mum had OCD so basically that energy also was I had to live up to this perfectionism and so it has been very difficult for me to to show the world the other imperfect side of me because that's just the way I've been brought up and again no disrespect to mum because she again it goes on I've talked a lot about it's, epi it's epigenetics exactly what did she go through what did her mother go through what that's were those unresolved issues understanding that it's understanding the generations before and not blaming them or saying that they're the problem because the problem is within ourselves just as the solution is exactly so, but it's stopping that cycle exactly that's it, you exactly know it's, right. it's when is enough enough that's right so that's you what have children I don't have children and so that's where I also give permission for women to have an alternate path because again the story is revealed but I love children and I always wanted to have children and I always thought I was going to have children. And I was in these relationships. And again, I'll read a little bit of the book in a moment where um, I show a bit of a, um, when I was in the pain. So I spent 15 years in unhealthy relationships. And again, I don't blame those men that I was in the relationships with. I blame myself for staying I in the wouldn't take all the blame for that hell no <laughs> not all the blame but as it all gets revealed well, but the yeah, whole because again you got to a point where enough yeah. was enough and you said I'm out that's exactly right and I did that several times and what happened was the change for me was when I had all my grandparents and my father pass away within three years very oh quickly. wow that really was my awakening when I realized I'm actually existing in my life instead of living. And the subtitle of my book is how I finally grew up after a life of putting up, giving up and shutting up. So oh, wow. that's the energy that goes into this. It's like this silencing of, and it's all children too, but especially women, we've been conditioned to be silent and to, you know, little girls should be seen and not heard and not to, you know, rock the boat and all that kind of thing. So but not now I'm telling you, women are <laughs> out with a vengeance. They yes. really are. And sometimes um, it can be to our detriment. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. we are not showing our negotiating skills. That's right. We but I, are I not. Expression. We, we react in a way sometimes and it's just that blah and it's that you regret that, you know, 
emotional um, reaction. But the truth is that it's been held down for so long that it's like a volcano. It just eventually spills out. But you're right. Right. That's why I work with an ego coach. I have to turn you on to her. She's taught me so many things really about how you suppress that can Mm. and it is very volatile. And then when that top pops off, instead of nurturing, understanding, growing, um, editing and filtering situations in our life as we go along, we wait till they all build up and then we have this huge meltdown. So I want to hear a little bit about the book. I want to see uh, a copy of it and you're going to be kind enough to read us an excerpt. I'm so excited. Sure. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Have I been all my life? How to finally grow up after a life of putting up, giving up and shutting up. By Lisa. It's absolutely beautiful. It is a beautiful book. It is. My friend um, from Harper Branding and Designs, Lauren, she designed the cover for me and um, I'm so proud to hold it in my hands. It's just, yeah, it's It's wonderful. Perfectly. (laughs) Wow. So read us an excerpt. Let us us know what you're going to read us. Okay. So I'm just going to read the first chapter, like not the whole first chapter, just a couple of pages in the first chapter because it's quite long. Um, But it just sets the scene of me in the pain and in the unhappy relationships And it's just the beginning of the journey. So the chapter is called G-String Pajamas. Oh, boy. (laughs) We're going to get to that bit in what I'm going to read. But anyway, there's a little teaser for you. I felt the rush of warm air on the back of my neck. Over the past three years, Adrian had become an expert in creeping up on me. What does twice in one week mean? He'd heard the crickets chirping from the other side of the room as a text message arrived on my phone. He'd been watching TV as I unpacked the groceries and had gotten up and come to stand over my shoulder. His reaction was a response to the private text my friend Michelle had sent me, which he felt was his right to read. I closed my eyes, put my hand on my stomach and sucked in a big breath before I turned around. I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. I didn't have time to think of an excuse. I just blurted out the truth. A guy just asked me out while I was at the shops. That's all. What? He was silent for a couple of seconds. That'd be right. The vein on his temple was throbbing. Who is he? I've got no idea. I picked the cold groceries off the bench and brushed past Adrian to the fridge. Well, why would you tell Michelle then, huh? What would you do that for? And I can't believe you would tell her. You must know who he is. Adrian was getting louder and closer. His forehead, the tip of his finger. They were not far from my face. She was at the shops at the same time as me and she forgot her card, so I paid for her groceries. She's going to pay me back tomorrow. How could you do this? So what did he say to you? Far out. Adrian had a look on his face I hadn't seen before. He'd never hit me, not yet, but his eyes hated me. My heart was kathunk, kathunk, kathunking. Can't you see it was nothing? I tried to calm my breath so I could get the words out right. I was in the fruit and veggie section and a guy came over and said, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I just saw you there and was wondering if you would like to go and have a coffee sometime. And I said, thank you. That's lovely of you, but I actually have a partner. And he went away. That's it. Nothing else. I didn't do anything wrong. You're making out as if it's my fault. I can't help what other people say or do. I didn't dare tell him that I found it flattering. Why didn't you tell me then? And why did you tell Michelle? Because I knew this is how you'd react. I picked up a tea towel and slapped it against the bench. Hard. And I told you Michelle was there. I'll ring her so she can tell you herself. And what does she mean by twice? Ugh. I called Michelle. I had become used to this kind of interrogation, but I was tired of it. 
Another guy gave me a compliment the other day in the street. Hi, Shell. Adrian just read your text message and I wanted you to tell him what happened at the shops because he doesn't believe me. I heard a faint. Oh, no. Talk to Michelle. She'll tell you that nothing happened. Why don't you just believe me? I don't want to speak to her, his voice thundered. I quickly ended the call, though poor Michelle would have been worried. But something in me burst from the stress and I began to cry. Not the tears rolling down the face sort of crying. It was ugly, animated, noisy. I couldn't help it. I hated who I had become. I'm such an idiot. How did I let this happen? Can the neighbours hear these ridiculous arguments? They must think I'm crazy for putting up with this. And it goes on. <laughs> that reminds me of another person that I know. Um, and Brains, what you have to understand, I've told you this once, I'll tell you this a thousand times. Abuse dresses itself in many forms. There's control, there's manipulation, there's separation and, and alienation. There is physical abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's verbal abuse. So it's not one thing. When someone says that they have been mistreated or they've, you know, uh, had to consciously uncouple, don't just assume that, you know, everyone's getting their hands laid on them. But what happens is it progressively gets worse. And some of these things, some people never grow out of. Just think if you had a child that had to be in that combative relationship and hear their mother being battered or mistreated all this time. But what happened to you is that was one situation. You said that over a period of time, 15 years, that you went in and out of these types of situations. What was it that you felt, what was it that you uncovered or discovered about yourself that led you into these situations and allowed you to stay there? Okay, the truth is that I knew all along. I had those gut feelings. And it was the fear to leave and the fear of what everyone would say and the fear of failure. And it's also, and I get, there's a whole chapter on why I stayed. And I go through a, a session that I had with a hypnot hypnotherapist who got me into this position where I realized that I had an, all these excuses to stay, but the biggest thing I needed to do was just, it's my life and I can leave. But one thing I did discover is I was getting something out of those situations so okay now yeah right now let, let, let's be 100 transparent you know yes. with some nice fine sugar daddies with some some nice perks and big diamond rings and fabulous trips and all that or was it great sex no, no. What was it was, it? It, was, it was significance for me and the control so because i had lived this life of control I did you get, wait, now let me ask you this. I love to jump in. Did you get off on the control? Some people like to be controlled. I was the mother of the, like that was my motherly instincts coming in. And I felt like I was in control of the situation, even though there was coercive control. And it's quite, you know, it's a lot to digest and you have to explore it. But there's a narcissist empath bond, which I'm a very... Mm -hmm much an empath so I want to help people and I was getting that you know from them they were being narcissistic to me and I was giving them what they needed and they were giving me what I needed so I felt like I was helping them so it's this you know it's like a parasite and it's a connection it's very hard to escape and I do explain again a lot more about that in the book but wow. it's that, that fear of well no he's not going to leave me because like he won't leave me because 
I'm in control of this and I'm helping him and all that kind of stupid talk that we give ourselves. So when, when my father passed away, I'm like, that's it. I would rather be on my own for the rest of my life or risk a wonderful relationship. And um, I, I chose to have a relationship with my husband now, but if he didn't come along, I would have been happy to be on my own forever rather than put up with what I put up with. And some okay. of it, like, it's not all bad, obviously, and then it explains all that in the book, but there was definitely coercive control and um, that kind of emotional okay. abuse. Because I've been married 38 years, honey. I yeah. got I got a whole lot on you, okay? That's a whole nother yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm in love. I am in love and I am in balance and harmony. I still have my independence. He still has his independence, but we have a very strong codependent for one another. We have respect for one another. Um, and he's so, so grateful and gracious. Thank you, baby, for bringing me some water. Thank you for cooking my dinner uh, every morning. Good morning. How are you? You know, yeah. call me before you come home from from uh, from work. Let you know. Do you need anything? You know, it's the simple pleasures, brains that just turns a woman's heart from a flicker to a flame. It's, you know, it's bringing home flowers. You've got beautiful flowers there. It is a sense of um, communication. How did you tick the boxes when you found your new love? I mean, because you're like, okay, now I done had some real booger wolves. <laughs> and now <laughs> here comes this Prince Charming. How do I trust this guy? How do I give him my heart? How did you do that? Well, it's interesting because, again, I have the story in the book that in the depths of my pain, I had a massage with a beautiful lady named Jody, and she said something to me. Um, she said, why don't you write a list of all the things that you want in a man? And I'm like, you don't just write a list and check it off. That's just superficial. And and I thought about it later and I, you know, I wrote it in a little um, about 30 things on a list and put it in this um, these beautiful cards in between the heart and the ring and I just basically manifested what I wanted and, again, forgot about that. And it was only months after my dad's passing that it was probably five or six months later that this man came into my life, but he came into my life when I was doing what I wanted to do. I love health retreats and um, there's a beautiful story through the book about this health retreat where I met my husband, Mark, and I also met my writing mentor there as well. So it's a very serendipitous wow. place. So the whole thing for me was was that awakening when dad passed away that I wasn't going to put up with it. And I did, I was very careful when I met him that mm, am I just going along with the next person? But mm -hmm. it wasn't, it was perfect timing. And it was because I was in my element and I was doing what I wanted to do and what made me right. happy instead of doing what everyone else wanted to do. So he embraced yeah. that. He wasn't I intimidated am. by that. Absolutely not. No, we came together very equal and he likes all those sort of things as well. And he's not jealous or possessive or insecure. And so it was, it was just, I knew very much. And you know what my friend, one of my friends said to me when they first met, the first time they met him, I've never seen you be more yourself. And that's the key. If you can be yourself, and this is to all your audience, I know you call them brains, but if you, you know, if you can be yourself, and you don't have to water yourself down or filter what you're saying, You that's when I think you're on the right path. But if you have to change yourself or be smaller or be anything but who you really are, then that's a warning sign for me and a red flag. Absolutely. So tell us about your next two publications. You're going to be in two anthologies. What is your contribution to those projects? 
So yes, so there's one being launched um, quite soon. It's called Ubuntu, On Whose Shoulders We Stand. And that is um, compiled by the beautiful Terrorai Trent, who's Oprah's favourite guest of all time. So she is just a beautiful woman who has a, an amazing story herself. And it's about how um, our sheroes and heroes and how that we celebrate them because of how they got us to achieve our dreams. So that's an absolutely beautiful one. And all the proceeds go to the women, oh, sorry, the kids in South Africa and the schooling and helps young girls and the yeah. education of young women, which is just, as I said, close to my heart. And I'm so happy to contribute to that one. And hopefully some of those young girls will be able to follow their dreams after hearing the stories in the book. So that's very, that's very awesome. special one. Um, I'm also in another book. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to reveal one of them, so I won't talk about that one, but there's another one coming up soon that I've completed and it's going to be published by the end of the year. And then there's another one called Hear Us Roar. So that's one that's got a beautiful picture of a lion on the front. So that's the one I've just started working on. And it's funny, actually, because I do um, these little Palo Santo. It's got a bunch of... And I write the title, so I've just got here as raw, and I've just started, so I haven't actually started. Um, I know I have mine here somewhere, and we, along with yeah. the sage, exactly the burn offering, absolutely. Yeah. That gets you know, our creator, me. yeah, and our creator loves that when you give a burn offering and a burn sacrifice for that. Okay, in the, in the right space to do the writing, yeah. But you've also been nominated for an award. Tell me about that. Yes, I've been, been changing um, the world. Women Changing the World Award, and I'm a finalist actually. So, um, so I'm so honoured to be a yeah, finalist in this award in the Rising Star category. So, we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, it's just well, tell me a little thing. bit about that organisation. So they they look at people through the whole. It's throughout the whole world, and so there's many categories, and it's humanitarian work and medical work, and you know, educational. So there's all these broad categories, and it's 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 not just for you know if you've written a book or it's it's for any women in the world who are making a difference and making a change and trying to contribute to humanity and and to other women as well that's so, beautiful well i'm yeah. looking for you you got my vote lisa okay. what would you tell a 25 year old lisa benson i would just tell her that it's all it's going to be okay and to not worry so much and to not be afraid to show who you really are in your heart and your essence. And the big thing is really not to worry about what other people are thinking and worry what makes your own heart happy. That's probably the big message that I give the 25-year-old me. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, again, because I don't have children, that's my words and, and that's what I want people to hopefully people will think that I've inspired them to follow their own dreams and and to be themselves and to show you know the vulnerability and to be able to us all to be connected because that's the whole point isn't it we're not here just for ourselves or what we learn if we don't pass on what we've learned what's the point so I think that's a really important thing to pass on. and one of the big things of why I wanted to write a book was because I don't have children to I've got stepchildren and step-grandchildren but I don't have my own children to pass the messages on you to have so. more than just because it didn't come through the birth canal doesn't that's mean right. that you are not a mother of earth of mother of wisdom uh, mm -hmm. to have a blended family to open your heart to be able to mold and mentor, to be able to step back and let their parents do whatever. Sometimes this, sometimes being a step-parent is really a good job. <laughs> exactly. Hand it the is. grandbaby back. <laughs> exactly. But then you, you're stepping into a situation. And so that uh, allows you, again, to be vulnerable, but also bring in your wisdom. 
you know, and to be able to separate from that. And having family is so important, especially after losing your own biological, you know, parents. I know my mother passed away, soon will be two years. And it just, I thought it would be unbearable, but I'll tell you, it was one of the most beautiful transitions I'd ever seen in my life. I got to lay my chest on her chest and feel her last heartbeats. I got to see her soul separate from her body. I got to wipe her last tears. She died with dignity and respect with, you know, here with me and Mr. Magnificent and, and, the you know, the thousand thread count um, Egyptian sheets that she laid on and I brushed her hair. It was beautiful. Everyone's not going to have that. Everyone is not going to have the uh, ability to maybe even bond with their parents, but you had did that. I've done that. There's others that have done that. And through the pages of these books, you are able to leave a legacy, as you said, of words, of thoughts, uh, and let people know that you're not alone and that you can get through this. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, Lisa. I'm so excited for all the things that you uh, are doing and that you have accomplished, and I want my brains to follow you. Thank you, April. It's That's beautiful. And it's pretty easy to find me. Um, it's just Lisa Benson author. So the website is lisabensonauthor.com. My Instagram handle is Lisa Benson author and Facebook is also Lisa Benson author. So it's quite easy to find if we just remember Lisa Benson author. It's um, how you can find me on the platforms and um, my website. And there's also a link to, to buy the book there. The book is... KMD Books is the publisher. So it's www.kmdbooks.com. And it's also available, you know, through the world on Amazon, UK, Amazon US, Barnes & Noble, QBD, like everywhere, basically. You can, anywhere you can buy books on. I'm excited. Well, you know what? What do you want for this book? Do you want it to maybe be a mini series? Do you want it to be a book that they're giving out? uh, Oh, I forgot to mention that, Brains. This book was also in the swag bags for the Oscars, baby. Let me let me tell you. I didn't get to do the Oscars this year. Uh, I did the Grammy this year. Uh, it's in the Hollywood, so, Hollywood swag bag that yeah. is the basket that gets hand-delivered to the, all the nominees and also the hosts. So, yeah. So it's definitely getting some international exposure. And That's I, I would love it to be turned into a movie. That's been... And again, I'm a little bit woo-woo with all this. I try and manifest things and I've manifested a lot of things in my life. And Don't ever say a little woo-woo because woo-woo, <laughs> woo-woo is powerful. Yeah, yeah, no, and is. manifestation is is seeing the outcome, if not yeah. going through the actual process, but seeing the outcome and then looking at your resources. And That's then right. the result will finally come because you have to be prepared. That's right. And I have been prepared. So throughout the writing of the book, I had this other book um, and I wrote 10 things um, every day. So there's three or four journals full. So hundreds and hundreds of entries. And I have my memoirs made into a movie and I even have the actors that play myself and my husband. And so I'm, again, all kind of indie films. So yeah, just put it out there and I put a blessing on it and I really hope that you get brains I go in. It. Love, like, share, okay? Love, like, share, and subscribe. Go in, read an excerpt from the book. It's there on Amazon. She's listed all the other places that you can purchase it. Um, Go back and listen to other edgy conversations. Things that are going to help you find who you are, appreciate who you are, or change who you are. 
The choice is yours. Thank you so much, Lisa Benson, for being here on The Edge. Thank you for having me, April. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye, brains. Mm -hmm. Bye.